You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Hey everyone, Pastor Nathan here. We love you. We miss you. We're going to get through this together. I have been thinking about the prayer of David recently, uh, particularly what he says in Psalms 51 um, and something he expresses there. I think it's around verse 15 um, where he says, I, if you'll forgive me, if you'll wash this blood guilt off of my hands, um, then I will praise you. And he says, I will use my mouth to declare, to sing uh, your praises. Praise is a fundamental part to right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, It is necessary for the believer, not so much because God needs puffing up somehow, but because without an understanding of order, we all of us uh, deceive ourselves and turn to our own ways. Uh, Like sheep, we go astray. We turn each one to our our own way. And what praise and and prayer uh, does uh, is it, it always places you in context to the Creator. It always sets you, not as, uh, uh, you know, a lone ranger, it always sets you in place. Um, You are not simply wandering the wildernesses of life. Uh, You are a certain kind of individual. You are a certain kind of entity. uh, And you were placed here by your creator. And so your correct understanding of your form, your function, uh, must be in relation Uh, to your creator. And what prayer and praise does uh, is it orients us toward our creator. And without that, um, without acknowledging him as the head of all things, um, we're always turning to our own way, our own philosophies, our own thoughts, our own plans. Uh, It is as though we think of what, you know, we sit in in a dark room or, or, or whatever, and we we think about what the ideal should be on the basis of our intelligence. Uh, we think uh, what the greatest good is on the basis of, of our experience. Um, we have no, no spiritual uh, foundations. And so all we're left with is this sense of, well, I think this, I think that. This is more beautiful than that. Uh, this idea is more elegant than that idea. And we're left with a beauty that is the, the, a beauty that is limited by our intelligence and a beauty that is limited by uh, our perception. Now, this is an important idea because one of the things that uh, this process of study I've been on uh, lately has continually put before me is this idea of uh, the difference between a believer and a philosopher. <laughs> uh, the difference in a believer and a philosopher is really this. The, the believer holds something to be true that can only be perceived through faith. And the philosopher only will acknowledge that which he or she can understand and or perceive. Now, this is, this is fundamental to why uh, so many intelligent unbelie- uh, uh, unbelievers struggle to understand intelligent believers. And if you talk to intelligent unbelievers, I have some friends of mine who are very intelligent um, and very well educated, and they, uh, without realizing, a lot of times they'll have this tone to their speech, which goes somewhat like this, you know, um, how how can you believe? How can you? And what they're really saying is, look, I I respect your mind. 
Um, I, I respect your intelligence. Um, I, I respect your judgment. But here's the thing. Um, I can't see whatever it is you're seeing that allows you to believe that. If you have unsaved loved ones, unsaved siblings, unsaved children, um, whatever, whatever your situation is, when you get in these belief versus philosophy type of, 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 of conversations, that's fundamentally what's happening here. Um, they can't understand why you would believe that without evidence. See, the believer, however, because faith has allowed them to hold as a spiritual truth or a, a moral foundation or as a reason for living, uh, pick your language here, they have chosen that as an act of faith, uh, not, as, not as a description of evidence, but as an f- act of faith. Now, um, <clears throat> unbelievers do this all the time, too. Um, they just do it with their own uh, story that it's their most beautiful idea. Um, uh, they'll, they'll take a, a philosophy, an idea, and they'll say, well, this is, this is beautiful. This is what we believe in. This is, you know, but the truth is there is in that belief system, um, this moment of, of them choosing to believe something. Um, they have to, because the best that science gives us is theories on big questions. Um, science is not at its best when it's trying to answer the whys of life, um, why do I say that? Uh, because life is subjective. Life is an experience. Life is a gift. God has given you this gift of um, you are a subjective entity. Your experience is not like mine. Um, if you go to a restaurant, uh, your experience will be different than mine. You may not go back. I may think it's amazing and go back the next day. Uh, but to it's not that we're lying to each other. Uh, it's that we are having different experiences. Um, and so this is why uh, science struggles with these issues of uh, something like answering a, uh, a why-type big question of life. Um, Everybody has subjective experience. Um, and this is where faith actually shines. Faith gives you a way, just like Jesus said, he's the way and the truth and the life, and he's speaking to all of these people, each one of them have a different experience, but they can look to Christ to see a whole, a spiritual whole, a life lived of redemptive purpose. So, all right, I'm getting off in the weeds here, but you know how I do. So this place where uh, David says, I want, if you'll forgive me, Lord, if you'll wash my hands of this blood guilt, um, I'll use my mouth to praise you. I will use my mouth to sing your righteousness, to, to celebrate your righteousness. My lips and my tongue will praise you. Now, this isn't a new theme in the Psalms at all. In fact, you'll find this theme consistently in the Psalms, um, almost so much that you can pick a song at random, a psalm, I should say, at random, and start reading it. And even if there is not an admonition to others to use their lips to praise God, you soon realize that the Singer himself or herself is using this format to sing praises to God. Psalms gives us two models, or maybe maybe it would be better to say modes, of using our, our mouths to praise the Lord. And you've all heard of the phrase, a leading with your chin, 
Um, this refers to someone who's reckless, and uh, they rush in, they lead with their chin, and they get knocked out. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to call this tonight leading with your mouth. Now, what I mean is the choice of language that you, you choose uh, in your life, the choice of, of, of claims. Uh, your mouth is the gate to your faith. We lead with our mouth. Now, uh, just for clarity, I'm not saying that you should just be quick to speak. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm saying your mouth is the gateway to faith in your life, and what you say and project uh, truly becomes uh, uh, formative. It, it shapes you in many ways. So back to the two modes shown to us in Psalms. The, the first mode is, of course, to use your, <clears throat> your mouth, your tongue, your lips to praise God, to acknowledge his great works, to celebrate what he has done, to stand upon who he is, and to embrace the promises of what will be. So this is the first mode shown to us in the Psalms uh, of right, doing things right. We, imperfect, celebrate his perfection. We, unrighteous, celebrate his righteousness. How do we do that? Well, like David said, he washes us, he forgives us, um, he makes us new, and then we use our communication, our tongues, our lip, our mouth, to, to glorify his name. So the first mode is to do it right. You use your mouth to express the greatness of God. The second mo mode that's referred to in the Psalms is how the unrighteous talk or how the wicked talk. So I'm going to give you a couple passages. There's actually more than this, but <clears throat> two's a good number. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a good number, and it lets us be efficient in our time. So the first one I want to give you is from Psalms 10, and this is verse number seven. Um, and this is what the wicked does. This is what the unrighteous does. Um, his mouth is full of cursing and deceit, and oppression, and under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. So this is a picture, the second mode, the wrong mode, shown in the Psalms of how someone uses their uh, mouth <laughs> the wrong way. They are full of cursing, they are full of deceit, they are full of oppression, and under their tongue is trouble and iniquity. So let me read another uh, passage to you. This is from Psalms 50. And this, too, is addressing the, the wicked, the unrighteous, who uh, they're using their mouth, too. It's just they're using it differently. They're the antithesis of the person who uses their mouth to praise God. You give your mouth to evil. This is verse 19, uh, chapter number 50 of Psalms. You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. That's <laughs> referring to your brother. <laughs> These things you have done, and I have kept quiet. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. So uh, I, that's just two passages. Now, just for clarity, uh, the consistent thing of the wicked tongue or the unrighteous tongue is their mouth is full of deceit and violence. Remember those two terms, deceit and violence, deceit and violence. With the tone, the style, the words of our communication, we can, if, 
if we fall into this mode of the flesh, this path of the un, un, unrighteous, uh, we literally, uh, we, we fume out uh, deceit and we fume out violence. Now, this is political year, so uh, I, when I read these things, I think politics, but we're not doing politics because the problem is deeper than politics. Politics is just the expression of the human heart. It's just when you put people together, it, it, this, this is what comes out. Um, but violence and deceit uh, is it's, it's a consistent, consistent uh, consequence of the person uh, who is in the other mode, the anti-Christ, the anti-God uh, mode. So praise is to do it right. To do it wrong is to have a, a lips and a mouth filled with deceit and violence. God gave us uh, the ability to communicate for a reason. Uh, God gave us mouths for a reason. And I think how you use your mouth is uh, the most formative thing uh, in your faith life. Um, I think we all of us lead with our mouths, not our chins, our mouths. We lead ourselves. We lead others. Um, we define who we will be. We set parameters upon our faith. We all of us lead with, with our mouth. Uh, I want to be like King David, who, who he used his mouth uh, to to glorify the goodness of God. Now David was far from perfect. You know this. Um, he was a man of notable and impressively immoral choices. He did some stuff in his life, and yet. He gets this right. My mouth is going to be used to praise and glorify God. Psalms 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalms 71 and 8, um, my mouth is filled with your glory all day long. My mouth is filled with your praise all day long. That's the theme of the verse. Here's Psalms 145 and 21. Uh, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Uh, We lead with our mouth. Uh, And for us, it is, yes, an act of love. It is, yes, an act of worship. It is, yes, an act of praise. But it's more than that. It is truly an act of faith. Why? Why do we, when we praise God and we worship God, why is it more than just our love for God? Why is it for us an act of faith? Okay, so I was hoping you would ask that question. And since you are just spiritual, brilliant people of above average looks, (laughs) um, (laughs) you ask the question. So uh, here we go. Uh, You will see scripturally multiple places, multiple, multiple times that all the host of heaven praises God. Now, without going through a bunch of scriptures, I hope you can remember the many places in the scripture or the many times you get this image of the angels celebrating and praising God in the highest, declaring peace on earth, goodwill to men. They praise God. The four and 20 elders in the book of Revelation, they praise God. The angelic hosts of heaven, they praise God. The cherubs praise God. Um, So, this is, this is uh, consistent. Now, for them, and this is what I want you to get, it's not an act of faith. Um, they see God as he is. We, veiled in flesh, demonstrate faith through praise. 
Therefore, we are able to know God in a way that is reflective of divine love, our love responding to his divine love. It's a choice. We choose this to see him and to celebrate that perception of him um, through faith, not through eyes of the flesh. Now, so when the angels of heaven stop magnifying God, for them, uh, it's an act of rebellion. They see him as he is. This is the Lucifer problem. This is the uh, demonic fall uh, from God's God's court of glory, so to speak. The angels fall, <clears throat> and they go their own way, um, which is the antithesis of God. Uh, this is how we get to spiritual conflict and spiritual warfare. Um, they chose to worship self, and that is spiritual rebellion. And so for us in the flesh, we do not see God like they do. Now this creates a great mystery for the demonic world. This is the problem of Job. Why would Job worship you? Why would Job serve you? And God says he has chosen, he has chosen through faith to perceive, to love, to serve. And the devil says, no, 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 no. There's a quid pro quo going here. You're good to him and he's good to you. But if you weren't good to him, he still would not choose you as the ultimate good. He would not see you as the highest ideal. He would not perceive you as the most beautiful moral star in a moral heaven. He would reject you because he's not a believer. He's a philosopher. And he's just looking for the best way to do life. No, that's the problem of Job. The devil does not understand why you choose to worship the glory of God who you've only felt but never seen. Um, I know there's occasionally testimonies about someone saw a blue cloud. Honey, that, okay, you might have saw that, but um, when God reveals his glory, it's not going to look like a smokestack. I promise you, it is going to be so stunning and so overwhelming that when we see it, not only believers we, but unbelievers we, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When that ha when you really see his glory, it is going to leave you so amazed that you will instantly no longer have opportunity to choose love as demonstration of faith. It'll just be obvious to you. Uh, and so that moment also marks a time where there isn't the same opportunity of mercy when that changes. Um, so remember, there's no mercy for the, the angels. Uh, they saw God as he was, and for them, it was not a failure of faith. It was an act of rebellion. Um, you guys have heard me teach this before. Um, there are some deep waters here. Occasionally, we swim in them. We never touch the bottom. Um, but it can be a good spiritual uh, learning process for us to seek, to knock, to ask. And so back to this, this idea. Um, the angels of God praise him. They worship him. They glorify them. For them, it is not an act of faith. It is an act of adoration. Uh, for us, it's an act of faith. Now, it's, it can be more than that, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to perceive his work in the earth. Faith uh, is really how we here on earth tell heaven, I love you. Tell God, I love you. Or to even make it more uh, helpful for people who struggle with unbelief, um, you tell God, I want to love you. 
I want to see, I want to perceive, I choose this as an act of worship in, in my life. So we lead with our mouths. How we speak, how we live, what we say uh, is truly a defining path uh, for us. We lead with our mouths. Now let me, let me wrap up here with um, something I come, I've come across uh, in the last couple years uh, in the motivational community. There's a whole, there's a whole industry out there where speakers and, and trainers and coaches uh, help people find motivation to change their life, to pursue their dreams. Um, these are mostly no, notable uh, efforts. Um, most of us do better with a coach, and so I am for the effort if it is helpful to an individual. Um, I am for coaching. Uh, that's just another term for mentoring, which is a very spiritual concept. Uh, I, I think um, there are very much, uh, very much value in the in that whole coaching ideal. But uh, one of the I came across it somewhere. I wish I could remember. I'd give you the I'd give you the information. But uh, one of the the coaches, trainers, whatever you want to call them, uh, was talking about uh, the source of motivation. And um, he pointed out that uh, we live life with this presumption that first we get motivated and then we take action, which leads to more motivation and more action. And he said that may be true for some people, but that's not how most people experience it. Rather than feeling motivation first, then taking action and that leading to momentum, more action, more motivation, he says, how we actually live is the opposite. You take action first, and then you get a little motivation. And out of that comes momentum. More action, more motivation, more action, more motivation. That is a very important switch to thinking motivation comes first, and then you go on the diet. <laughs> um, actually, he says, look, if you'll start on doing something, even if it's small, the the, the, the success of taking action will actually give you motivation, which will lead to momentum. Now, I've thought about that. I think, I think there's something there, uh, at least in the whole, you know, self-improvement coaching uh, world. Uh, but I know there's something there spiritually. And here, here basically what it is, 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 is how I would, I would say it. You lead with your mouth. First, you say, I am able through Christ. And then you discover that you actually are able through Christ. First you say, he can do anything but fail. And then you learn, he really can do anything but fail. Do you see where I'm going with this? We lead with our mouth. So this message is for all of us. It's for me, it's for you. We all of us need it. And basically it is this, speak the promises of God, celebrate the victories of God. Let his words be in you. Let his words flow out of you. That's first. After that, you will feel more. You will experience more. You will receive more. Do not think first comes emotion, then comes praise. No. First comes praise, then comes emotion. And out of that comes spiritual momentum. Lord Jesus, help us to apply these, these uh, truths in our personal lives, in our devotions, in our individual opportunities for spiritual leadership. Lord, help me as a pastor 
to implement these things, help every one of our leadership team, our pastoral staff, uh, all of our ministry directors and leaders. We, we want to live this, Lord. We want to be uh, continually speaking the promises of God. Your praises shall continually be in our mouths. And people and, and the people out there who feel stuck, Lord, the people who feel like they wish they could do better, um, but they can't seem to get off the, the couch, so to speak. They can't seem to get back to the church. They can't, they can't seem to uh, get back in their prayer closet. Let them see, Lord, that if they're waiting on motivation, they've got it backwards. They need to take a small action, just a small action, and they'll feel out of that a corresponding resonance within their spirit. And they'll, they'll be motivated to take more action and more action until they begin, to, they, they begin to accomplish some spiritual momentum in their life. Help us, Lord, to be your people, to manifest your kingdom, demonstrate your heart, speak your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.